Time now for Kings Talk. Oh, it's sported between the pads. Where you, the listeners, call in with your comments and questions after every Kings game. Tell us what's on your mind. Call us at 877-KINGS-20. That's 877-KINGS-20. We'll also take a look at the stars of the game, game highlights, and the out-of-town scoreboard. It's time for Kings Talk, right here on the LA Kings iHeart Audio Network. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. You're listening to Kings Talk, coming to you live from Kings headquarters at Toyota Sports Performance Center in El Segundo, California. Final score from Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, your LA Kings 3, the Red Wings 5. We're taking your questions and comments about the game, the team, and anything else on your mind. Call 877-KINGS-20. That's 877-KINGS-20. We'll start off by taking a look at the three stars of the game. Third star of the game, Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane joined the Red Wings this season not too long ago. A goal and an assist for the former Chicago Blackhawk and New York Ranger. Two points plus one in 18 minutes, 23 seconds of ice time. Your number three star, Patrick Kane. From your LA Kings, the second star of the game with two power play goals, Quentin Byfield. And uh, we talked to Zach Dooley in the first period about the Presence and awareness that it required for Quentin Byfield to be able to follow the play as it was unraveling on that first goal. Gets his second one in the third period, also on the power play goal. At the start of the season, I uh, was calling for a 20-goal, 60-point season out of Quentin Byfield. He is on pace to eclipse both of those numbers, so a strong season from Quentin Byfield continues. And, of course, unfortunately, the number one star of the game from the Detroit Red Wings, Dylan Larkin. He scored early to make it one to nothing. Detroit. He had uh, another goal later in the game. So that's two goals from Dylan Larkin, a plus one in 19 minutes and 42 seconds of ice time. He also scored the first goal for Detroit in the second period. So big night from Dylan Larkin. He is your number one star of the game. Uh, this is going to be a cliche line. I think it was Lee Hacksaw Hamilton that used to use it all the time. If I remember my younger days of listening to sports talk radio, this is your show Kings fans. So I want to hear from you. 877 Kings 20, 877 Kings 20. Uh, the Kings winless streak extends to eight now. And uh, I saw a number of people saying this on Twitter and I will now say it here in previous games. Uh, uh, a argument could be made that at least the games were close. At least the Kings were keeping it tight. Uh, that is not the case in this game. They uh, opened up or allowed Detroit to open up a 5-1 lead and then uh, fought back to make it 5-3, to but uh, couldn't score after uh, the six-minute mark in that third period. Will from Granada Hills. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing great, Jesse. Well, it could be better. <laughs> yeah, well... Hockey, hockey, notwithstanding, how are you doing tonight, Will? Fantastic. Good to hear. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm looking at, I know you've been trying to put a positive spin on uh, this uh, down downturn we've been having by saying, you know, we've been getting these points by taking the game to overtime. And, uh, you know, I think about that. I, I, I agreed earlier on, but... Uh, now I'm starting to think I'm, I'm looking back at last season's Calgary Flames, which you know you remember they missed the playoffs by yep. one point because yep. they couldn't they couldn't win in overtime. They had 17 you know overtime games and I think they lost most of them. 
So I'm just starting to worry about that. We got a resurgent Oilers in uh, the standings. Um, Vegas has started to drop off, but we are not able to capitalize and move up. Well, uh, Will, I am not going to offer you any platitudes or positivity right now. Seattle is one point behind the Kings at the moment with 47 points. The Kings have 48 points. Edmonton is just three points behind the Kings with 45. And as of right now, I don't know if this uh, will change, uh, get updated later, but with the standings that I'm looking at, the Oilers have a game in hand over the Kings. So uh, if the Oilers were to win that game, and they've won their past nine in a row, as have the Seattle Kraken, um, that would move them to 47 points as well. And then you'd have Seattle and Edmonton both nipping at the Kings' heels. Um, I don't want to start uh, suggesting anything uh, earth-shattering, but uh, I do understand those people who are concerned. Um, I'm trying not to be concerned because at some point there's nothing that my concern will accomplish, but, uh, but it's there nonetheless. Yeah. And you know, I'm on, you know, you're on the King subreddit or I am. And, uh, you know, everyone's got their own idea of how they can do it. Everyone's pointing towards the coach. I'm not entirely sure that's, I, I don't know if that would solve anything because these games have been close because, you know, with the exception of tonight. Uh, because we are still banking points, you know, it's we're in a rut, but I don't know what to do to get it. I really like their play in the third period, and I just wish I saw more third period play like that throughout this entire downturn. I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation then. I think when conversations about coaching are brought up, I think two things have to be taken into consideration. One the cliche has the coach lost the room. And I would argue the third period of the game we just watched proves to you that that is not the case. Right. Um, I, uh, Daryl Sutter was fired in 2000 at the end of the 2016, 17 season. And I scratched my head at the time because I thought that that team was playing as hard for them or playing as hard for him as, as um, they ever had. Um, meanwhile, when Terry Murray was fired back in 2011, I guess it was, um, I didn't scratch my head because that looked like a team that was no longer interested in playing for that coach. Or when John Stevens was let go in 2018, uh, that appeared to be a, a coach who could no longer influence the play of his team. I think Todd McClellan is still very clearly getting, uh, a strong effort out of his guys. The second issue is, um, you have to have an, a solution. Right. If if my car, if I don't like my car and it's not doesn't look as great as it is. And, you know, maybe the tires are a little bald and, you know, the paint is chipping and the air conditioning's broken. Well, if I don't have another car, I'm not getting rid of my car. Um, that's exactly. a terrible analogy. And I, I, I apologize. People, <laughs> I think people are looking at, you know, what happened last season in Vancouver with Boudreaux and how Vancouver is doing this year. And, you know, what the Oilers did when they were doing when they were in their slump and, you know, how they have performed since uh, letting their coach go. I, I don't know. Maybe people are theory casting or wish casting that we might have a similar solution. I just don't know. Well, I've heard the cliche, it's easier to fire a coach than to fire all the players. And unfortunately, some cliches are cliches because they're just lazy. I mean, that is a true statement. And sometimes it is the correct move, but 
you know, if you jump off a cliff, you need a plan for what you do afterwards. Will, thank you for calling in very much. We've got a caller on hold from Pismo Beach. I don't want to keep him on hold too long. Are you there? Yes, I am here. How are you doing tonight? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I could be doing better. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hockey, again, hockey notwithstanding, how are you doing tonight? No, I'm doing I'm doing fantastic otherwise. Um, I I just... I really wanted to comment on I I really think the boys are doing well. I, I'm I'm a big fan of I, I well let me put it a different way. I, I believe in Todd's style. Um I I've watched every game this far uh so far. I've been to a couple Kings games even. Like I, I'm loving them. I think Todd has something good going on right now, but you mentioned, I want to say you mentioned uh, maybe a few games ago there was something going on after the Islanders-New York game uh, where there was something iffy kind of going on, and thus far we've seen the Kings kind of playing a very different style. I, I really think that Todd has something good going here, I don't want to believe what they're saying on Reddit and all that stuff. Uh, but really, it's just like, hey, like, what's really going on with the boys right now? Like, are they, you know... Okay, so you're the... I think you're the second that? person now to mention the subreddit, and I do want to ask about this because I do occasionally visit the Kings... Actually, more than occasionally. I frequently visit the Kings subreddit, and I don't know what you guys are talking about. Is there... I know that... There was a, a podcaster who uh, had an episode talking about coaching uh, issues, but uh, what's going on on the subreddit? You know, there's a whole lot of talk. I, I don't, I don't fall into it because I truly like a whole lot of talk on PLD, for example. A lot of people saying that that was a, a bad trade. I don't believe that. I think PLD is a fantastic asset for the Kings. Um, you know, um, like. Uh, I don't want to use the word unfortunately, but like let's just say he is being paired with a rookie, and then uh, mostly he's been paired with Kaliev, who's also an up and comer. But we can't obviously guarantee that he is. You know, he. This, we're not talking about being paired with Quentin Byfield or Adrian Kempe. We love the first line. You know, we we love that. But PLD is this great player and he is being paired with Laferriere, which I think is having a great year. I think he's having a fantastic year. And Kaliev is, uh, he's a bit hit and miss, but you know, I'm just saying that he's, we can't say that it's his, it's not his fault. It's just, I think he's doing the best that he can, but really what I'm more concerned with is just like overall, like, cause what they say on Reddit is just that, Oh, what the talk is is like. Oh, this one player seems to be hurting the Kings. I don't believe that one hundred percent. I do not believe that. What is going on? Like, why are they not? Well, look, there's a there's a a secret. um, Sorry, I'm going to cut you off there real quick. There's a secret to online discourse that I think not a lot of people realize, and it took me way too long to figure this out. I used to be um, an internet troll. thought I was pretty good at it. I was I was sort of proud of myself for it. And what I realized, what I have realized over the years and what I sometimes still need to remind myself of is that there is an absolute talent to writing for internet 
whether it's subreddits, message boards, social media, whatever it is, there are those who are deftly skilled at constructing these sharp, biting, quick uh, attacks or or comments that um, when you dissect them or if you were to ever meet the person who wrote them, um, you know, if you were to go back in time and meet 26-year-old me and read some of the things that I was writing and and then confront me on them and ask me point blank to defend them or explain them or back them up, I wouldn't have any ability to do it at all. And most of it was totally based out of, um, I don't want to say ignorance because that sounds too judgmental, but, you know, I was just going for a laugh or going for a quick punch or a reaction. Um, so there, there is absolutely, I believe, a ton of stuff of value uh, on those message boards and those subreddits and on the Discord and, and Twitter and Facebook. Um, but it is difficult sometimes to weed that out. Sorry, I'm going to thank you for calling, and we're going to move on to Hannah from Thousand Oaks. Is this Hannah Davey? Oh, of course it is, Jeffy. <laughs> How are you Davey. doing, Hannah Davey? You know, I normally say I'm living the dream, but tonight I'm living the nightmare. Sure. Well, all right. It's. I mean, you know, it's. <laughs> they lost the game. It's not a nightmare. Uh, I know. I know. Um, I'm not disappointed. I'm just mad. Yeah, I'm fair mad. Enough. Before I was before I was furious. Like there's complicated levels to my hockey emotions. Sure. Before I was furious. Now I'm mad, but I'm not quite disappointed yet. Oh, I see. Disappointed is the high, is the, is the, is the yeah, most intense level. We will go. That's gotcha. like oh, so shameful. Disappointment gotcha. is shameful. So we're right. not quite there yet. Well, glad but, to hear uh, it. I wish we were. I wish we were more desperate, like we were in the third at the beginning of the game. Like you can be hungry at the beginning of the game, but I think we're at the point where we need to be desperate for a full sixty-five plus minutes. Well. I heard them mention that on the broadcast, and all I could think of was Todd McClellan's comments following the Toronto game uh, once he switched the lines up after Toronto had already opened up a, a big lead. And, you know, his question was, you have to try and determine how much credit goes to the team for fighting back and making a push, and and how much of it is just explained by score effects. So, yes, the Kings scored those two goals early in the third period. Yes, they were pressing late in the third period, and it looked great. But I am very curious to know how much of that was, you know, the value of desperation and how much of it was Detroit was up 5-1 to one at home uh, and uh, had won a certain number of games in a row. I can't remember the length of their streak. Uh, oh, actually, maybe it was none's. Um so I I agree with you. It would be nice for them to score earlier in a game rather than try and claw back. But in the seven previous games, we've seen them have the lead early and then surrender that lead uh, only to then ultimately lose. So, you know, it's uh, it's I'm just trying to, to balance the scales here, Hannah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, but but speaking of Toronto, as a slight aside, can we please talk about how terrible those All Star jerseys are? Uh, we can, but I again, I don't think you're going <laughs> to like my answer. Jesse <laughs> um, Cohen. Oh, no, listen, I don't what? like them. Oh, um, good. Okay, so that's all that matters. That they look terrible. Maybe we shouldn't send anybody else but Cam. Everybody can have a break for All Star break. And then having, everything will be great. Having after. having don't said that, Hannah. <laughs> having said that, I'm a 45 year old man 
who grew, <laughs> grew up as a fan of a league that doesn't um, exist anymore. I mean, I, the league exists, but extra teams have yeah. been added. The All-Star game is a completely different affair than it was. And so I am I have finally reached a point where I am comfortable simply saying I am not the target audience for some of these changes. The real question for me will be, do those jerseys appeal to an audience that they hope it will appeal to? Will it bring people to the game? Will it increase the enjoyment of the game for the people it brings? It won't increase my enjoyment of the game personally, but my enjoyment of the all-star game and its proceedings has not been altered in many, many years. So, um, (laughs) I, I I appreciate that you and I have similar fashion tastes, uh, but, uh, but you know, I still work for the team. I'm not going to sit here and slander the All-Star game for too long. <laughs> I guess. Well, let's just say I will be taking the weekend of the All-Star game and catching up on school paperwork. So- well, I mean, listen, you know, job first, right? <laughs> Hannah, thank you for calling in. I uh, appreciate it, and I can't wait to see you back at Crypto.com Arena. Joey in Tampa, are you still on the line? Yeah, hi, Jesse. Hi, Joey. Thanks for holding on. No problem. I, I want to just compliment you, first of all. I think you're doing a fantastic job with King's Talk and letting people express their their opinions and listening and not, you know, I know you're obviously getting paid by the team, but it's it's refreshing that, again, you're not trying to shove, you know, different perspectives down people's throats, and we all have our own eyes and we all can do our own analysis. So I just wanted to compliment you on that. And oh, well, I appreciate that, Joey. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so I, I live in Tampa. I've got, I went to uh, both of the games in Florida oh, here. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a little frustrating, but it, it, it is what it is. I guess what, what ticks me off most about it is obviously when you have a pattern and you don't change the pattern, then again, who – who's responsible for that. And it's clear as day, anybody that's watched these games and why they had success on the road early was because of the fact that they would add to the lead. They were still aggressive when they were up and everybody keeps pointing to it. And I think, again, it's, it's valid. If somehow they were on a roll, they get to that Islanders game, they're up two zip going into that third period. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, the Gavrikov thing. And then, uh, the, the the two goals and whatever and then the quick the quick OT loss and it was kind of like a shell shocking obviously um, and so there was kind of a turning point and obviously we know with hockey players the, the mentality is to want to go into a shell when you when you're when you have a lead to me again and I realized Dowdy I think commented the other day on it is hey we try not to but it's human nature to want to protect the lead and all of that I get that that's why it's critical to have a coach on the bench going, no, 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 keep going, keep going. You, 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 you're a historian of the game. You'd remember. There's a, there's a quote by, and again, I'm not a Lightning fan, um, originally from <laughs> Southern California, even though I live here now, but you, you'll know this. You, you'll know who said it. Safe is death. You know which coach said that and what year, you know, you, what year he said it. Um, that was John Tortorella. A, again, a guy still in the league a guy coaching the Flyers who are having success when it wasn't expected. It's a mentality. Again, yeah, the easy thing to do is to go into a shell. We all know, I mean, McClellan's thing is, is a 1-3-1. Fantastic. But a 1-3-1, one, 
works when, again, you're putting pressure in the neutral zone, and you also got, again, the, the one in the one three one is putting some, some direction into the play. So what, what my point is is for, for people to keep saying there was a previous caller, oh, I, I love McClellan, I love McClellan. Okay, great. Why? Well, t- tell me what, what the benefit of McClellan is. Um, and again, I'm going to sound like revisionist, but what has McClellan accomplished in this league long term that would give anybody some some confidence? He's one and eight in the two Western Conference finals he's ever been to. And again, he's had some damn good teams and he hasn't really accomplished much. So my question is, what is the harm now of saying, OK, and whether or not he's lost the room is a completely different thing. Okay, great. They're 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 fantastic defensively. They're still up there. But again, the whole bugaboo and the whole point of this season was, and and last season too, starting with the Fiala trade and then now with the PLD trade, was we still want to be more offensive. We don't want to lose our identity as as a defensive team, but we need to be more offensive. So again, my my point is, you're not. It it it, it doesn't have to be a, a exclusivity thing of we can only play D. Um, because again, if we if we sacrifice the D, then all of a sudden it's going to go to hell in the handbasket. And, and the thing is, again, there's a lot of smart Kings fans asking these same questions. Of you roll the same lineup out every night, you roll basically the same lines except for the 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 the, the brief thing that you changed with you know swapping you know putting Kemp, dropping Kempe down and and whatever, and then you went right back to it. And you you still are getting the same results. It's the first friggin' game, and God knows when. Joey, I'm gonna, I'm going to cut you off. I apologize because I, I I feel like I feel like I know where you're headed with all this. Um, I've got a couple thoughts. If it's all right, um, first of all, I want to say very clever of you to butter me up by saying uh, a thank you to me for not shoving alternative um, positions down people's throats and letting them have their own opinions. Um, last year, I think it was last year. Maybe it was the year before. I talked about the Kings, uh, the, the, the thing that they're good at is also the thing that hurts them. Um, and, I, and I think there are teams whose strengths are also their weaknesses. Um, and it's a really bad analogy, but um, I'm going to roll it out anyway. Um, for everybody, anybody who's watched Star Wars or is familiar with Star Wars, um, you have the Death Star, right? Which is this incredible, unstoppable you know, force, whatever you want to call it, weapon thing. Um, but it has this incredibly exploitable weakness if you know about it and if you're capable mm-hmm. of exploiting it. Um, right. You know, because the end of that movie is this this impo- impossible weapon that shouldn't be able to be defeated easily is in fact defeated very easily. Um, so the mm-hmm. thing that is, that you know, that it's that was its strength is also its weakness. So <clears throat> the question I often find myself wondering about is if you have a strength like that uh, that is so effective when everything is going well um, and yet so easily exploited when things are not going well, where is the relative value in that strength versus the weakness? And I, I don't have an answer for it. Um, you know, I, I leave that for other people to determine and, and I just like thinking about it personally. Um, the second thing is you asked about Todd McClellan's track record in the league. And that is one where I will have to kind of push back because um, he has 
he's incredibly successful in the league. And uh, unfortunately, it is a truth that everybody in professional sports is not a winner until they are, right? Like Daryl Sutter had never won the Stanley Cup before he came to the LA Kings. Um, and yet the way people talked about him the year after they won the second cup, you'd think that he was Scotty Bowman. Um, so I I fully understand and hear everything you're saying. Um, I've seen lots of people saying similar things, and I'm not going to try and talk you out of it. I will simply say that at some point, um, and I know it happens to me all the time, at some point the momentum of our own arguments starts to flavor every next piece of input. Um, I've seen people online start to make arguments about things that are happening over the last five or six games or seven or eight games or 15 or 16 games, and they're not as bad as people are portraying them or they're over-exaggerated or you know, letting in a goal with 0.7 seconds left, for example, and people are throwing their hands up and saying, well, of course that happened because this is the narrative. And, and the reality is that a goal scored with 0.7 seconds left in a game is something of a fluke and it's crazy and it's disappointing and it's heartbreaking and we hate it, but it's not actually this rock solid piece of massive evidence that, you know, everybody is a bum and nobody knows what they're doing. And, and all of this is just a facade and we're all just waiting for it to crumble. Um, which again, I want to toss out there is a theory that people have. And, and you know, the reason we like sports is that sometimes there are teams, you know, remember, I think it was Anaheim a few years ago that was well out in first place as deep into the season as January, I think, and fell off. And then there are teams like St. Louis in 2019 that are in last place and managed to come back uh, from behind and win. So, Joey, I, I hear your passion. I sympathize with your passion. I'm not trying to shove anything down your throat. Um, although, again, bravo to you for, for buttering me up to stop me from doing it. Um, but uh, I hope uh, I hope that uh, any of that landed on any level. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I appreciate it. My, my big thing, again, is any rational person is going to make adjustments. There's so many, so many times you can smash a, a square peg into a round hole before you basically say, all right, it doesn't fit. Let's try something else. I, I'm not – the 131 has a purpose, but it's kind of like your analogy with the Star Wars thing is that like anything within any sport, at some point they know what your tendencies are. They figure it out. There's you know, 31 other teams in the league that have video – and they're watching. They're going. The Kings are the Kings are dominating defensively. How the hell do we figure this out? And and and, and they figure it out. And that's why again, you as a coach have to go. Okay, they've got it. They've got this part figured out. Now let's throw another wrinkle in this so they don't they don't figure it out. And and that's my thing too with with, with McClellan. The most recent bias I have, which again obviously is, is what a lot of people are seeing too, is the overtimes. Why is a guy like, again, QB, who is ridiculous, can, can fly up the ice like nobody's business, why is QB not getting literally any shot in OT to do, to, to do what he can do? You know, why, why every single time do you roll out the same three guys? You roll out, obviously, Kopitar and Dowdy, who are already getting the most ice time. They're the older guys on the team anyway. And, and then you're getting the same results, where, again, I mean, we, 
you already know this. They're the worst team in OT. Two and eight come to in, in ten games. They got two wins. A two hundred winning percentage in OT. So in their defense, I, I think it's actually one and seven because they're one and four in OT and one and four in the shootout. But getting to the shootout means they survived OT. So for whatever oh, that's yeah, worth. my bad. My, my, yeah, <laughs> my, my bad. My bad. But but to get my point is like yeah, no, I... is you know try try something new and and at least if you try something new, you can go okay. We tried it; it didn't work. And and that's my whole thing with again coaching in general is have some flexibility. Realize, yeah, you can come in with a perfect game plan. It's like a boxer, you know, like Mike Tyson's quote. Everything changes once you get punched in the face. Then the game plan goes, you know, kind of out the window. And I think that's the frustration that people have with with the way McClellan is coaching, I think especially this year. you got another piece in Dubois. And All right, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to cut you off there, Joey, because we've yeah. – no We've done ten minutes on McClellan here. We can't we can't get into another topic. But uh, Joey, I do appreciate you calling in, and like I said, I, I hear and respect uh, your passion and love for uh, for the LA Kings. John and Redlands with both daughters this time. Are you still on hold, John? Yeah, Jesse. Look, we didn't celebrate a win today, but I'm trying something different. I've got both daughters, Eliana, who you had one time, Eliane Melly. That's right, Ellie and Melly. We're both, all three of us here, we want to wish them good luck. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Well, We're thank you, girls. Next. And, John, I wanted to actually, I was going to do this uh, on the last uh, King's Talk because I felt bad that you might have accidentally spoiled a surprise for Melly. Uh, so I, I felt bad about that. Uh-oh. So if you want to go ahead and leave your contact info with our board op, I'll go ahead and try and make it up in, in some small way if I can. Oh no, it's okay. She uh, she knew she was. Uh, oh, oh, all right, all right. She was big. <laughs> so, no, uh, no, she didn't. Uh, <laughs> kinda, she You're knew, lying. Well, well lying. listen, John, leave okay. your contact info with the board op, and I'll send a birthday present from the LA Kings anyway. All right. Good luck to them. All right. Thank you, John. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you, Mally. We're going to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll dive into some numbers. You're listening to Kings Talk on the LA Kings Audio Network here on iHeartRadio. Now back to Kings Talk, your post-game reaction to L.A. Kings hockey. Call 877-KINGS-20 on the L.A. Kings iHeart Audio Network. Welcome back. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. You are listening to Kings Talk, coming to you live from Kings headquarters at Toyota Sports Performance Center in El Segundo, California. <clears throat> the final score from Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, your L.A. Kings 3 the Red Wings 5. We're taking your questions and comments about the game, the team, and anything else on your mind. Call 877-KINGS-20. That's 877-KINGS-20. And while we're uh, waiting for any calls that might be trickling in right now, I do want to address the um, idea of social media and uh, modern-day reporting. And maybe this isn't the right platform to do it, but it was on my mind a lot today, and so I did want to talk about it because I try and do – I try and and push the narrative that I am not media and I am not a journalist as much as I can because I genuinely don't believe I am. And uh, this might wander a little bit all over the place, but bear with me. Um, We live in a market where there is not a ton of media coverage of the L.A. Kings. We all know that. 
Um, the Kings have done an excellent job, in my opinion, of trying to fill that void. Um, I have a job. Zach Dooley does excellent work at LA Kings Insider. We have the rain check. We have Jared Schaffron doing his work. Uh, you know, the Kings have done yeoman's work over the years trying to provide and make sure that there is coverage for la kings fans if you go to their youtube channel you'll see media availabilities from todd mcclellan and the players you can follow those every day if you want to if you want to stay uh, as up to date on what is happening with the team as possible you can all of that is background to say um i grew up with uh, a jewish education i don't practice but uh, there are stories from my childhood that that stuck with me. And one of them was uh, about gossip, essentially. And uh, I'll try and tell the story as quickly as I can. I promise I'll try and make it relevant to covering the team. Uh, the story goes, there's this town, I don't know, probably in Poland, probably sometime in the 1500s, 1600s, somewhere in that neighborhood, a guy's gossiping and he tells a story, he tells some gossip about the rabbi of the town that turns out not to be true. He goes to the rabbi, asks for forgiveness, says, what can I do? I'm so sorry. I've said this thing that isn't true. The rabbi says, take a pillow, take it up to the tallest hill uh, in the town. And at dawn or sunset, whatever it is, uh, split the pillow open, spread the feathers to the wind and let the wind carry the feathers as far as they may. He says, okay, fine. He goes and he does that. And then he comes back to the rabbi the next day and he says, okay, I've done this. Uh, you know, are we square? Have I repented? Have I atoned for, for the gossip? And the rabbi says, now go get me all the feathers. And the point of the story, of course, is that you can't go get all the feathers. And there is no way to properly walk back uh, spreading misinformation for lack of a better phrase and so the reason that i stress that i'm not media and i'm not journalism is that i am very aware that the things that i say even though i still think of myself as a fan and i still think of myself as part of the fan base i'm aware that the things i say and the way i say them carry added weight in a way that i don't intend them to or don't want them to so uh even now I'm feeling a little bit guilty that, oh, maybe I let one of the callers go on too long because that might imply that I was, you know, sympathetic to the, the argument that the caller was making. And I'm thinking, shoot, I should have cut that off quicker. I need to be better at that. Uh, the reason I bring it up is that there have been some loud comments made within uh, the media that covers the team um, over the last few days, um, some about uh personnel decisions some about coaching some about all sorts of things and i just want to remind people that we don't live in a world where the strict editorial concerns of the la times are guiding these comments right the la times won't allow uh, LA Times journalists to vote on postseason awards, for example, because the LA Times has such strict journalistic standards and they don't want their journalists impacting or influencing the stories that they cover. Um, I am very, very careful that if I say something, I believe it to be true. I try and do as much research as I can to make sure that what I'm saying is true. And if I don't know that it's true, I try at least to let you know that I don't know it's true or that I'm making a guess or, or, or positing a theory. And even then I probably shouldn't do it just based on my own personal standards. Um, so a lot of that's been in my mind again, like I said today, because these comments get made 
Um, and then they get repeated and repeated and repeated. And that's why I was asking an earlier caller about the subreddit because I am on these subreddits. I am in the message boards. I am on uh, Twitter and, and Discord and Facebook. And there are things that are simply repeated as fact that are not there. They may be close. They may be subtle misinterpretations. They may be, you know, lacking nuance. Sometimes they're just wrong, um, but they get repeated and then it becomes funny. And listen, I am all for funny. Uh, one of my personal heroes, Tony Kornheiser, always said it's, you know, it's OK if it's mean and fu if it's funny and true. Uh, it's OK if it's mean, if it's funny and true. Um, and like I said on the first segment, I was once an online troll and prided myself for it. But um, I take my role seriously and I think others should as well. And I'll leave it at that. Umar, uh, Umar in Santa Clarita, are you on the line? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. How's it going, Jesse? I'm good. Hockey notwithstanding, how are you doing today? <laughs> uh, doing okay. Just uh, driving home from hockey practice. My, uh, my, uh, my son's with me in the car right now. So he's a big listener. Been listening to you for a long time, too. So, Well, what uh, a good dad time, to take your kid to practice. Long, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, just generally frustrated um you know i, I just kind of going on your comment a couple episodes ago where maybe we should try seeing fiala with kopitar again maybe with byfield you know they did good on the power play why can't they get a look five on five you know um would love to see riddick more uh, not that talbot's been bad or anything but just something to change it up you know uh, i won't comment about todd because there's been plenty of comments there but <laughs> You know, just just something. You know, it's it's real frustrating. I don't remember the last time the team lost eight in a row, um, or rather, went winless in eight in a row. <laughs> yeah. So, just hope they would do something different. You know. Yeah. Look, there's there's one of my favorite jokes of all time from The Simpsons is an episode where they're flashing back to Ned Flanders' childhood. And his parents are talking to a child psychologist and they say, we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Um, I know that a lot of people are uh, at least curious about why certain things aren't happening, whether it's playing time for Riddick, Byfield in overtime, uh, line combinations, etc. What I am curious about is that given how limited the options are for the team because of the salary cap limitations, which we've known about, you know, since June. Um, given how limited the options are, I do, I do frankly find it curious that we don't see more of them tried. Um, so, you know, you said, why isn't Riddick playing more? Like, I don't have the answer to that. He came in, he played tonight. Now he's getting the same benefit that the forward lines did in the Detroit probably wasn't pressing really hard for that sixth goal, but I thought he looked good in the chance in the, you know, times that he needed to. Um, the only four team, the only four games he's played in so far, I think have been against Detroit and San Jose, um, which is odd. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I listen, we're all frustrated. And I think the players and the coaching staff would share in that frustration. Todd McClellan talked about it, uh, in a clip we played in the pregame where he said, you know, you have to be crazy not to be frustrated. Um, but yeah, I think, I think at this point the a lot of the frustration is stemming from these questions we have of, well, you know, the power play is not working. So why not change it? You know, this isn't working. So why not change it? And I'm not the coach. I'm not on the uh, hockey ops staff. So I don't have the answers to those questions, but, uh, 
I said it last time. I'll say it again. Umar, fewer things in life make me happier than a dad and his kid enjoying hockey together. So uh, I appreciate you taking your kid to practice. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. He wants to say hi real quick. Hi, oh, sure. Hi, how are you doing? Good, you? I'm good. What's your name? Uh, Rafa. Rafa, what was the last time you guys were at a game? Um, I think it was Montreal. against Montreal. All right, well, tell your dad to leave his name and contact info with the board up, and if he promises to take you to the game, I'll get you guys some tickets to an upcoming game. Oh, wow. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for calling in. Appreciate it. And uh, good luck on your next game, whenever that is. Chad from Simi Valley, are you still with us, Chad? Yeah. uh, I noticed uh, on Twitter. uh, (laughs) That's never a good start to a sentence, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Russell pointed out an interesting uh, fact that Chad had more five-on-five ice time than Q and PLD, which was uh, confusing, but... uh, well, let me double check that because all due respect to Russ, he has posted some stuff about some stuff in the past that wasn't always necessarily right. Sorry about that, Russ. Um, let me just double check. Jared Anderson Dolan, you said even strength? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jared Anderson Dolan is listed at 7 minutes 40 seconds. Byfield, Dubois, Trevor Lewis, Blake Lazat, and Carl Grundstrom all listed at less than seven minutes, 40 seconds, but not by a lot for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah. And then Pops did really, really bad in the uh, face-off circle tonight, which was very surprising. Yeah, I, listen, I, for those who follow all the King's men and uh, listen to my crazy ramblings wherever they can be found, I am trying really hard not to care about face-offs anymore. Um, (laughs) So I know... I know that other people do, and I know that it's a, ta- a, a talking point. Um, and certainly tonight it was because, yeah, four for 22 in the face-off circle for Andrzej Kovacar is not uh, not a great look. But I don't suspect that anybody would say that the reason that they lost 5-3 to three, uh, was as a direct result of those face-offs. So, um, yeah. <laughs> As for the uh, as for the time on ice, I had not noticed that, but that is curious. My hunch would be that uh, maybe late in the game they were going with uh, certain players more than others. I know at the end of the first period, didn't mention it to Zach Dooley, but had it on my list of things to talk about. The end of the first period, all four lines were within less than a minute of each other. I don't think any line had played more than four minutes at even strength, and I don't think any line had played less than three minutes. Um, more Deneau and Fiala played eight minutes, 22 seconds. Byfield, Kopitar, and Kempe played seven minutes, 13 seconds together. Dubois, Dolan, actually, you know what? This is probably from earlier in the game. Yeah, I need to refresh this. Sorry. <laughs> let me refresh that and catch up to those numbers. Uh, so let me reset that whole conversation. Um, Anderson, Dolan, 12 minutes, seven seconds. Uh, Byfield, 11 minutes, 37, 37 seconds. So that is... Um, Curious and um, Byfield, Kopitar, and Kempe played 10 minutes 58 seconds. Dubois, Dolan, Laferriere played 10 minutes and 19 seconds. With the special teams, I don't know how that may have uh, affected it. The Kings had a, an extended power play or penalty kill in the second period there that might have uh, worked against Byfield getting some regular shifts in with his line mates because they were killing penalties, perhaps. Um, yeah, I don't. I I don't have a, a a real clever answer for that, unfortunately, right now, Chad. 
Yeah, I, I just saw it and was sort of like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, we are going to take our last break here. When we come back, some final thoughts on the game and more of your calls. You're listening to King's Talk on the LA Kings Audio Network here on iHeartRadio. Now back to King's Talk. Your post-game reaction to LA Kings hockey. Call 877-KINGS-20 on the LA Kings iHeart Audio Network. Welcome back, Kings fans. I'm Jesse Cohen. You're listening to King's Talk, coming to you live from King's headquarters at Toyota Sports Performance Center in El Segundo, California. Final score from Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. Your LA Kings 3, the Red Wings 5. We're taking your questions, comments about the game, the team, and anything else on your mind. 877-KINGS20. That's 877-KINGS20. And darn it if the universe didn't provide me a perfect example, kind of, of what I was talking about earlier when I said I try and make sure that when I say something or put something out there that I know uh, that it's true or that it has value. And I apologize to Russell Morgan. I'm going to pick on him a little bit here um, because uh, the last caller, Chad, who called in, said that he saw a tweet from uh, Russell Morgan. Jared Anderson Dolan, I'm reading the tweet here if I can take my glasses off. Jared Anderson Dolan, 12 minutes, 7 seconds, had more 5v5 ice time tonight than Quentin Byfield and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, Carolyn, uh, Carlin Bath, excuse me, not Carolyn, Carlin, haven't done that in years. Carlin Bath pointed out that special teams play absolutely had something to do with it, which was uh, my first hunch when Chad brought it up to me. So just out of curiosity, I went ahead and looked up the total ice time for the forwards in question. If you take in special teams play, power play, and penalty kill, Quentin Byfield played 17 minutes, 33 seconds of time. Uh, Jared Anderson Dolan, 13 minutes, 15 seconds of time. So four more than four minutes less than Quentin Byfield. And I know that five on five is the majority of the time that players spend on the ice over the course of a season. But in a game like this, frequently, especially when there's a huge um, penalty kill directly in the center of a period like there was in the second um, where the Kings had a five on three, uh, I imagine that uh, Kempe and Kopitar were out there for some of that. But uh, like I said, Quentin Byfield playing more than four minutes uh, than Jared Anderson Dolan over the course of a game. Um, and so that's just another example. Like I said, a little nugget of somebody who has chosen a platform, has chosen to step onto the platform, has put something into the universe that people are going to react to. People are going to get upset about when frequently there's a very simple explanation. And frankly, when you allow four goals in the second period and you score three, but you let in five, um, even if even if Jared Anderson Dolan had played slightly more than Quentin Byfield, I'm not sure that that is the sort of thing that is the cause of a loss like that. Marshall in Fillmore, are you still with us, Marshall? Yeah, Jesse, I'm still here. Thanks for holding on. Hockey notwithstanding, how are you doing tonight? Doing fine, doing fine. I'd love some more Kings uh, wins, but no, wouldn't <laughs> love we all. the show. <laughs> I appreciate it. Love, love listening to the post show. A little optimism after these winless games. So shockingly, right? <laughs> we like to hear some. But yeah, I called in. I wanted to ask, bring up back in October. I went to the Carolina Hurricanes game, and they were getting blown out bad. It was a great game because it was. I don't remember correctly, but I think it was like five. The one or four to one, they ended up losing the game, but the Kings made a huge push, looked mm-hmm. amazing. And, but from, they ended up losing, like I said, but that's when it kind of started the rest of the season. 
where they were just looking great, like scoring a lot of goals. And so I'm not sure if like maybe the beginning of the season, because like up till that game or a couple after the strategy, maybe what was the goal from the coaching staff side? Because as of late, I don't know if they got comfortable to, to where they're saying, Hey, you know what? We're doing great at winning. We can score goals, but now let's try more of a back off type of appearance towards the, the games. And then all of a sudden they lose well, I was I was speaking to a previous on the pedal. Yeah, I was talking to a previous caller, Marshall, about the idea that some teams, some players are uh, they share strengths and weaknesses. The things that make them good are the things that make them bad. Um, and w- earlier in the season, when the Kings were you know among the top teams in the league, and they were you know leading the team in goals for and leading the league in goals against and. Cam Talbot was leading all the goaltending numbers and everything. The, one of the phrases I used was, this is the sort of the the best version of the team we were promised. Um, heading into the season, the flaws... Yeah, the, the, kind of reality. Well, the flaws and the, and the concerns of the team were not unknown to everybody. We all understood, mm-hmm. oh, the goaltending isn't going to be Dominic Hasek at the peak of his powers the goal scoring isn't going to be the you know Edmonton Oilers at the peak of their powers like we all knew it we all got it the team was very clearly built and constructed to follow a game plan based on available resources and assets and players and you would roll the dice and hopefully more often than not they would come up in your favor and the Kings Mm -hmm. got off to an unbelievable run at the start where everything was going perfectly and you know that's Mm -hmm. what I kept saying was like this is the perfect version of the team mm-hmm. we were promised. I think what we're seeing now is that when little slips start to fall in, and so I was thinking about this a lot over the last couple of days, these numbers aren't necessarily um, indicative of anything are important. But for an example, in the first 21 games of the season, uh, Drew Doughty and Mikey Anderson were allowing uh, 50.31 shot attempts against per game. Uh, that same pair now are allowing 57.42 shot attempts per game. Both of those numbers at even strength. That's seven shot attempts per game. That's not huge. But when you're losing games by one goal, you know, four times out of seven or whatever it is, that's the sort of thing that might start to um, explain it. You know, expected goals against um, in that first, sorry, I'm flipping through tabs real quick here. Expected goals against per uh, per sixty, uh, Dowdy and Anderson two point two uh, in the last eighteen games. Expected goals against two point eight. So again, a point six increase there. High danger chances was the one that really caught my eye. Uh, in the first twenty one games, your top pair high danger chances against, and again, high danger chances against is particularly important because the goal the team. Um, invested the least amount of uh, cap space of the 32 teams in the league on their goaltenders. And so I think most people would concede that the Kings, one of the strategies for the Kings is to prevent those chances as much as possible. Um, In those first, uh, in that first strong stretch of games, high danger chances against for Dowdy and Anderson, 8.29 per 60, which is very good in the most recent string of games, 13.15 per 60. High change, high danger chances against. Um, that's a that's a huge increase, and yeah. 
it's not necessarily a huge enough you know, increase we're that we're seeing Garrett the Kings getting bit. blown out every night, but it might explain. And and I'm just choosing that defensive pair. There's other places all over the stat sheet where you're just seeing these incremental slips from a team mm-hmm. that was playing almost perfectly to now a team that mm-hmm. is just not playing perfectly. And I think yeah. I think we should all get comfortable being you know a, forgiving them for not being perfect. And it's it's particularly <laughs> rough right now because they haven't won since December. Um, and yeah. we're now halfway fingers through January. Across, and, yeah, fingers across that they get these, these losing or the winless streak out of the way before too late. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, and they can just kill it again at the end of the season, towards the end for the playoff push. <clears throat> I was speaking to somebody uh, closely related to me, uh, who I usually clear my throat first when I mention his name, and he he is of the belief that uh, they need to get blown out before they can shake the rust off because all of these close games, you know, it's, it's, it's too close. It it preserves that illusion that you're doing things basically right. And it's just not going your way. Um, I apologies dad, if I'm getting your argument wrong, but um, tonight I think falls close enough in line with the blowout because yeah, they scored two goals in the third period, but that second period was rough um, allowing four going down five to one. So I don't know, maybe this was the, maybe this was the catalyst we need. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, but I agree too. I think get the, get the bad games out of the way before it's too late. And then you uh, lock it up and tighten it up for the the season. Exactly. Marshall, I appreciate you calling in. Thank you very much. Uh, Going to get to a couple uh, little bits of business before we wrap up here. Uh, if you want to get your thoughts on, now's your chance, 877-KINGS20. That's 877-KINGS20. Introduced this thing at uh, the New Year's, the philosophical quote to apply to the game. And uh, actually what reminded me of it is talking about my dad's argument about getting blowout, blown out. Uh, the quote that randomly popped up tonight for me was from Socrates, a Greek philosopher from Athens, who is credited as the founder of Western philosophy, that's all, and among the first moral philosophers of the ethical tradition of thought. And the quote is, the secret of change is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. And so I will take my <clears throat> dad's argument that uh, it's going to take a blowout to shake off the losing streak. Perhaps tonight was that blowout. Um, yeah, rather than trying to fix the little things uh, that maybe have slipped. Uh, maybe this will be a nod to Joey in Tampa who called in. Maybe it's time to build on, build something new, build a new winning streak, build a new uh, streak of hot play, build a new power play strategy, line combo, whatever it is. Um, focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Uh, appreciate Socrates for providing the quote. Appreciate all of you guys for calling in, even after these um, heartbreaking losses. I never really knew what to expect when I started doing this, and I still don't. And uh, every game is an adventure, and I appreciate all the kind words and all the calls. That is going to do it for this edition of King's Talk. Final score tonight from Little Caesars, Little Caesars Arena. I've been tripping over my tongue all day. Your LA Kings 3, the Detroit Red Wings 5. LA Kings hockey returns to iHeartRadio Monday afternoon when your LA Kings take on the Carolina Hurricanes at PNC Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina. Pre-game show begins at 11.30 a.m., everybody. Don't forget that. 11.30 a.m. Pacific. Puck drop, is, puck drop is scheduled for noon here on the LA Kings Audio Network. You've been listening to LA Kings hockey. For Nick Nixon, Jim Fox, Daryl Evans, Zach Dooley, Carlin Bathe, 
Will from Granada, Charo from Pismo Beach, Hannah from Thousand Oaks, Joey in Tampa, John, Ellie, and Melly from Redlands, Umar in Santa Clarita, Chad from Simi Valley, and Marshall in Fillmore, and of course, our network producer, Jeff Cabot. I'm Jesse Cohen. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, Kings fans, and we'll see you on Monday morning. Listening to Kings Talk along the LA Kings iHeart Audio Network. Follow the Kings all season long wherever you are. Downloading with the LA Kings iHeart Audio Network. Download the iHeart app for free and join us next time for the excitement of LA Kings hockey.